I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Each fortnight we bring you a mixture of features and discussions exploring every aspect of gardening, including plant care, pest control, garden design, growing your own fruit and vegetables and expert advice on what you should be doing in your garden right now. I'm Jan Lambourne, one of the fruit team at the RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey. Today we visit the recent London Plant and Design Show at the Royal Horticultural Halls in Vincent Square, Westminster. Coming up in this edition of the podcast, orchids. They're the UK's most popular houseplant, but are they difficult to grow? Advice and inspiration on spring plants from expert growers at the London Plant and Design Show. And tips on what you should be doing in your garden now, from lawn care to looking after your tools. But first, we hear from nursery owners, RHS experts and visitors to the London Plant and Design Show to discover how to get the best out of your visit to shows and just why garden lovers enjoy them so much. I'm Abby and I'm from Croydon but I actually live in Leeds at the moment and I've travelled down for the day um, to draw the flowers. Yeah. Um, I, I work for a card company and I'm developing a new floral range so I'm just coming for a little bit of inspiration, taking in the colours and the textures and yeah, just having a nice day. I'm, I'm Eileen Green and my sister and I have come up from Hastings. I'm Sylvia Winchester. I am a plantaholic so I love practically everything. Yeah. The snowdrops, isn't it? Snowdrops are so snowdrops. pretty. And the primroses. Yeah, the primroses. Snowdrops and primroses. Look, stunning. Uh, I'm Diana Arnold and I live down in Hythe in Kent. We're looking for plants for a garden I'm about to design that I've just surveyed. So I'm just looking for new ideas um, to do a rockery near me, but it's near the sea, so I have to think of the hardiness. But it's, it does give you, helps to give you ideas and new cultivars and meet other people with similar ideas. I'm Peggy Wood from Kent. And I'm Anne Windyate, a friend from Seven Oaks. I just adore the smell of the place. You know, you walk in and there's spring and uh, I come to all the shows. I've been coming for a number of years because I'm very old. (laughs) (laughs) I am James Edgar Sinclair and I am a garden designer and journalist. So each show takes a different season. In different seasons, you have different plants, obviously. You can see that the people are walking around them are there purely to look at plants and people are taking notes and they're shopping and they're buying things and that is what shows are for. I'm Jan Lambourne and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Now, orchids are the most common houseplant in the UK. 
and I'm sure that following Mothering Sunday, many of your homes may be featuring new ones. Orchids can often be labelled as difficult plants to grow, so how do you keep them in good health? We caught up with Andrew Simons from McBean's Orchids for some expert advice. But first, let's hear from some of the visitors to his exhibit to find out just why they're so popular. Well, I'm Pat Skillhorn from Twickenham, and um, we come up twice a year to see this show. It's lovely. Well, it's a, it's a wonderful stand, isn't it? Absolutely amazing, full of orchids. I'm not very good at keeping orchids, actually, but this is, this is amazing. This makes you want to buy some to keep, but um, they just need a little bit of care and attention. I think it's the watering. You've got to get that just right. Because if you overwater or water with hard water, like where we live, um, they don't like that. I love this one, Cooks, Cooksbridge Pearl. That's a real beauty. It's uh, white with a little tiny runway, really, for the bees to go in with a little pink hood. It's absolutely exotic. Uh, my name's Andrew Simons. I work for McBean's Orchids. Uh, we've been going since 1879. It was two Scottish brothers that started the company. And especially this year, uh, the 100th year of Chelsea, we're one of the oldest companies to actually display at Chelsea since its inception in uh, 1913. Prior to that, we were at the Temple. Two Scottish brothers, they actually started a fern nursery. And it was only through the importation of ferns uh, that one of the brothers found an orchid growing, and that set the brothers off. McBean's are world famous for cymbidiums. We also incorporate Charlesworth, and Charlesworth were an older company slightly older than McBean's, very close, about 10 miles away, and we amalgamated about 1970. And Charlesworth were world famous for um, Odontoglossums, which is a type of, type of orchid. Um, Cymbidiums are native to the Himalayas, um, very much a mountain plant. Um, it's one of the few orchids that you can put outside roughly around about May time to around about, you're talking September, October, whenever we get a frost. Um, people have got this misconception with orchids that all orchids are tropical, they come from um, northern Australia, Malaysia, Singapore but orchids are the biggest family in the world there's between 25,000 to 30,000 different species and cymbidiums, the ones we're famous for, you're talking the Himalayas um, for that you have to uh, recreate a mountain climate, so in the latter part of the summer autumn time you need a nighttime temperature down to around about 6 to 8 degrees C to get the plants to produce a flower spike, if you don't and you keep the plant indoors, you'll get a lovely foliage plant, but you won't get any flowers. With any orchids, you've got to have this difference between a day and a nighttime temperature. Uh, you must also feed the plant. And feeding regime, we're starting to feed with a nitrogen feed um, from March to around about the end of June, just to boost the plant up. We then go on to using a potash feed from around about August onwards. Literally, it all depends where an orchid grows. That would determine what type of compost we use. So you have epiphytic orchids, say lithophytic, and terrestrial. Terrestrial, as the name suggests, terra, they grow in the ground. It's a quite, a quite close mix, so it's a peat and perlite mix. You can't grow orchids in straight peat. It's too wet, too sticky. Orchids don't mind water, but they, they do not like to stand in water. More orchids are killed by overwatering than anything else. So for, for that, we use a, a peat perlite mix, maybe a little bit of bark for some bidiums, or sort of terrestrial, terrestrial plants. If it's an epiphytic plant, i.e. like a phalaenopsis, like a moth orchid, very much of an open mix, you can literally grow them in straight bark. Common problems, uh, I can guarantee, I've been at Chelsea for the last 30 years, every third question, I've got a cymbidium that's not flowering. You ask them whether they're keeping the orchid, they're keeping the orchid indoors, because they've got this misconception, orchids, orchids, warm temperature. 
the other biggest killer with orchids is probably overwatering. Orchids, I said before, orchids don't like their feet in water, so you must water on the top. So at the moment, we're working on our native orchids. I work on the lab side of things, so I'm working with a school down in, in, in the, on the south coast, and I say with with Q as well. Um, we're working on our native orchids, and we've got I'm growing tiny little bee orchids now off Wicko Office, um, and it's great. There's a plant that produces a flower not that not only looks like a female, it feels like a female, produces more pheromones than a female, and comes out. How should we say? Lots of chaps on the scenes, but not many women. And in the end, it really doesn't need a male. Sometimes it pollinates itself. But there's a plant that... It's, it's incredible. But, I mean, orchids are weird and wonderful. I mean, there's plants in, in Australia. I think there's six in Australia that, that, that grow underground, and they flower underground. Who that benefits by the moles, probably. I mean, there's something for them, probably. But they are weird and wonderful. Honestly, orchids are weird and wonderful. Andrew Simons from McBean's Orchids. If you're a fan of orchids and would like to find out more, remember to visit the RHS London Orchid and Botanical Art Show. Featuring orchids galore and exquisite botanical art, it's on April the 12th and 13th in the Lawrence Hall, Westminster, London. Details are on the website at rhs.org.uk. As well as the perfect place to get expert advice and guidance from growers, Plant shows give gardeners the opportunity to see, smell and touch plants in full bloom so that you can find inspired choices for planting in your own garden for the year ahead. We spoke to visitors at the London Plant and Design Show to find out what early season flowers they'd been struck by at the show and what they would be planting ready to bloom next spring. My name's Phil Austin. I come from near Winchester. I'm looking at the snowdrops that are less snowdropish than the common or garden ones or the ones you're used to seeing. And there's a lovely little double here, which is yellow on the inside. These stand out, don't they? Well, they do, they do to me. Um, Louise Peters from Foxgrove Plants. Well, today we've got a stand of snowdrops, um, nothing else. So there are common nivellus running through the centre of the stand and then um, other less common types amongst them. Well, the, the number of varieties does increase each year, so there are hundreds of so-say different snowdrops. Some of them are more distinct, some of them are easier to grow. Well, people still want SR Not, which has been around for years and years. People are um, intrigued by things like South Haze, which uh, is a, a variety which has a, a, a green marking on its outer petals. People like green markings on the outside of snowdrops. Snowdrops are not a difficult plant to accommodate in your garden. Um, they like shady places under trees and hedges and um, places where you are not going to disturb them when they're dormant through in, in the summer months. They, they like sort of uh, shady little corners. I'm Sally Ann Turner. I'm from Coggershall in Essex. And at the moment I'm looking at Iris reticulata and the different cultivars. And they're absolutely gorgeous. There are one or two new ones to me. I do love them. I grow some in the garden. Some I find easy, some I find difficult. So I'm just taking a few notes with a view to trying to get a few of the new ones. My favourite variety is Iris Lady Beatrix Stanley, which is a lovely blue and, and, and quite um, a large flower. But I, I love all of them, to be perfectly honest. And my name is Jean Eads, and I come from Surbiton in Surrey. And my name's Janice Kruger, and I come from Surbiton in Surrey. We're looking at a very beautiful display of miniature iris. I do like this one. I think that's taken my eye. 
quite a lot. That's Iris Claret. I have got one clump. I did buy it here several years ago. I'm Nesta, and I work with uh, Jacquemand International, and it's partly a family company. My father came over from Holland, and first of all he was a florist, and then, of course, got into bulbs, and it's expanded since then, with my brother being very sort of into all the unusual parts of bulbs and me coming from the floristry side of it and doing most of the displays. Well, the display today is um, lots of little iris reticulata hysteroides which come out naturally this time of the year. Mainly they're bluey colours. There's a yellow one or so in them. They've got little markings on the falls, either white, orange or yellow or little spots. Um, they are like your little crocus that come up early, early flowers. One day they're not there, the next day they are. The reticulata ones are very small flowers. Um, that's just the nature of the beach. Beasts, they don't grow very big. They're irises, they're little. The hysteroides types have much bigger flowers, much taller type of variety. Um, and they, all, they, most of the irises like a lot of sunshine, they like good drainage. They will take our cold winters as long as they have good drainage. And I was just displaying them here in pots and boxes and things to show what you can do at home just to make a little display outside on the patio, the smallest of gardens, for cheering yourself up this time of the year. I'm Sue Wynne jones from Creek Farm Plants and we come all the way from North Wales to exhibit here at uh, Vincent Square. We consider ourselves to be quite unique because my husband and I go all over the world collecting. We collect seeds uh, from various parts of the world, bring them back and uh, grow them on. Um, and everything that you see on our display today has been collected by ourselves and grown by ourselves to the size that you see now. The main plant in the display there that's flowering away is the Elysium, Elysium simonzii, which has come from China and very hardy. And it's a beautiful uh, scented flower, evergreen, for semi-shade conditions and then after it's dried you've got the wonderful seed head just like star anise but this is not the edible uh, star anise but it's, it's for culinary use but it's a lovely lovely plant then the one in front of it we've got the pachysandra axillaris creek, um, creek cover again ground cover beautiful flowers scented which we all love at this time of year and will tolerate dry conditions we have it growing under you at home and then this spiky little plant here, that's a xanthoxylin, and that's the true Szechuan pepper. Because these days people are wanting to grow plants for culinary uses, and that, of course, is the Szechuan pepper. We do do other uh, xanthoxylins where you can just use the leaves, which they do in Korea and Japan, and they make a paste out of them. But they're, they're so aromatic, they're just amazing. So they're, they're doing very well. Today, it's the Elysium that's gone. People love to see things in flower and the pachysandra. I mean, we're all the same. You, you think, you know, you look at a plot, but if it's in flower, that's, it's the flower that sells it. I'm Richard Hyde from HW Hyde & Son. I'm from Reading. Uh, today we're displaying lilies and tulips. We started growing tulips probably 40, 50 years ago for cut flowers, and we're now growing for cut flowers and for bulbs for the garden. Uh, the most popular variety is probably the Indiana, the new fringed red one. First year we've ever grown it. It's a new hybrid from Holland, and it's turned out it's a good one rather than just another bog standard. <laughs> nice and strong stem, uh, and it seems to be a good doer. Most common state with tulips is to plant them and forget the squirrels and mice love them and they eat the bulbs. That's the most common problem. The lilies, there's just a small sample here today. 
we grow about 300 different varieties, trial new ones every year. Again, like the church, some are good, some aren't. Good this year. The Rabina, this types are always good because they grow in either soil. They grow in ericaceous or alkaline. A lot of these types only grow in acid soil and so in really a pot for most people. My name's Lynn Dibley. I'm from Dibley's Nurseries and we're based in North Wales and we specialise in tender houseplants. Uh, that's a begonia rex and then begonia snowcap is one of the taller growing varieties which has a visible stem and it has spotted leaves, green background with white spots and rose pink flowers on it and that will grow up to about two foot, three foot high. There are various um, positions that grow, begonias will grow in. The begonia rex type, which is the more colourful leaf ones, they like a north-facing windowsill, not direct sunshine, uh, with a little bit of humid, uh, humidity on the leaves as well. Uh, whereas the taller growing varieties, the ones that have flowers and they grow, can grow up to anything like five foot tall, they like a brighter position, but not in the full midday sunshine. I would recommend something like Streptocarpus crystallis because that will just keep going on flowering non-stop, uh, which has white flowers and blue veining on it. Nice begonia would be Begonia Connie Boswell, quite a tall growing variety but has pinks and silver on its foliage. And then for a smaller begonia, there's some nice silver varieties, one called Queen of Olympus, um, which has pink flowers but it's mostly grown for its silver foliage. Thanks to all those at the London Plant and Design Show who took time out of their busy days to speak to us. Now, if you're still trying to decide on plants for your garden for spring or looking for advice on where to buy them, a great place to start is with the RHS Plant Finder. Published every year, the RHS Plant Finder puts gardeners in touch with growers and suppliers of around 70,000 plants and is compiled from the catalogues of more than 540 nurseries. The book is available from RHS Bookshops and online at www.rhsshop.co.uk or why not try the digital version on the RHS website at rhs.org.uk forward slash plants. You're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Stay tuned for details of forthcoming RHS shows, but first, if you can't make it to a show, what should you be doing in your garden now? My name's Matthew Pottage and I'm garden manager at RHS Wisley. So we're coming towards the end of March, perfect time to be looking at spring lawn care. This is a time when we can actually get back onto the lawns now, a lot of the waterlogging has drained away and it's now the time to start looking at getting any old thatch out of the grass, any moss out of the grass and that's through a process called scarification through scarifying. You can actually hire like a scarifying machine to do it for you or just take a springbok rake if you've had your Weetabix and rake away at the lawn and it's just to remove any dead, any rubbish, grass and decayed moss that may be sitting and has been sitting over the winter time to help the, the quality of the lawn and help get a better looking lawn ready for the summer. Hello, I'm Peter Jones. I'm team leader of the Glass House at Wisley and I manage uh, the operations at, uh, inside glass houses. So now is an ideal opportunity if you've been overwintering any outdoor plants in your glass houses or conservatories just to be checking over, removing any dead foliage, anywhere that's died back as our light levels are increasing and our outside temperatures are increasing uh, just to make sure that they've got, uh, they're not 
getting lots of dead uh, matter or botrytis building up so that we can, when they encourage them into growth and we can start steadily increasing their watering, uh, they're going to be nice healthy plants, say, if we want to take cuttings off. Botrytis can form on uh, wet foliage, uh, which has got very poor air movement around it, and it will, you can recognise it as a brown mould type uh, substance on the top of the foliage, and it will just cause foliage to die back and start to rot. With Dalac Products, my name is John. Oh, we sell anything from uh, saws and pruners, tree pruners, uh, more or less a wide variation of what a person would need in the garden. A uh, popular item would be secateurs. Secateurs, they'll always work better if you oil them and keep them sharp. And uh, keeping them sharp is basically one of the best things to do. That's, they all work better as long as the upkeep, i.e. oil them regularly and keep them sharp. So we use the diamond sharpness, which is one of the easiest ones to use. doesn't need water oil. You can keep it around on your person and you actually sharpen it just using a circular motion, not sharpen it in a straight line. And it doesn't need a lot to get the edge back. Some people tend to sharpen the tool every time they use it. Others would sharpen it every uh, couple of weeks or so. You're, you know, or the other thing is, if it's not cutting so well, check that it's not blunt. Because nine out of ten, why it's not cutting is it's not sharp. Sharpen it up and it'll improve the tool 100%. If our visit to the London Plant and Design Show has inspired you to join us for the next one, you're in luck, as the RHS Great London Plant Fair is on March the 26th and 27th. Tickets are also available on our website for the magnificent RHS flower shows at Hampton Court Palace and Tatton Park in Cheshire, both taking place in July. Other events coming up. Join us at one of our Grow Your Own weekends at RHS Wisley, Harlow Carr, Hyde Hall or Rosemore Gardens on March the 23rd and 24th. Or be inspired with Easter at RHS Gardens, where we'll be celebrating with a rainbow of activities to enjoy, whatever the weather. Get stuck into craft activities, follow an Easter trail and enjoy our gardens bursting into colourful bloom everywhere you look. Details of our Easter events and more can be found on the website at rhs.org.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com forward slash rhshome. On the next edition of the RHS Gardening Podcast, invaluable gardening advice from the RHS experts and Wisley's advice team tackle your nagging gardening problems. Until then, from me, Jan Lamborn, and the team here at RHS Garden Wisley, goodbye. I'm walking down the path in my garden, and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer.
or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.